Hi, hello, and welcome back to Tory Talk Scripture. Um, we're going to be going through Matthew 3 and 4 today. And things to note is um, in Matthew 3, we're going to talk a lot about John the Baptist and how he prepares a way for Jesus. And then um, in Matthew 4, it um, Jesus is being tested in the wilderness, and he calls his first disciples. So there's a, there's a lot of good stuff happening. Well, there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible, period. But there's a lot of good things that we can see um, in preparation for what Jesus is saying in his message of, of coming and setting an example and dying on the cross to be a sacrifice for us and for um, our eternal life. A lot happens here. Um, especially with, um, if we go to Matthew 3 and John, um, the Baptist prepares the way. And so in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And so John the Baptist is already in that time talking about how the kingdom of heaven is near. And he was saying, like, Jesus is coming. We need to, we need to repent. And why, why do we need to repent? Why do we, you know, what, what's the point of that? And I think that um, if we look further in what repentance is, and you look down in, in uh, chapter 3, it says, um, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you look at a tree, I don't, I, this is just based off my research about fruit growing and I've heard, if you've heard, or even in gardening, you've heard of pruning and it's taking away the things that aren't growing or that inhibit um, the growth of a plant. Um, so when you do that to fruit plants, it helps it helps them grow. It gives them space to grow. And so when we talk about repentance and pruning for ourselves, it's taking away those things um, that aren't God-pleasing so that those things that are God-pleasing have room to grow in our lives, that we give them the space to be there, to lay down these things that aren't part of God's plan um, at the foot of the cross. And so that's that whole point of repentance when we're, we're, you know, we ask for forgiveness, you know, should be on the daily. And at the very least, when we go to um, church, that's why in church you hear us do the public confession of our sins. I mean, it's not like we're sitting there saying, well, I lied, well, I cheated, but we're saying like, God, please forgive me for the sins that I know and the ones that I don't know. Um, because guess what? There's ones that we don't even know that we do. And so, that's why we do this confession and then we receive the grace and the absolution and the forgiveness and the promise that when we come to God and repent those things, that he assures us with his forgiveness in Jesus. And that's that's such a beautiful thing. And so when we go down further, um, John the Baptist is talking about um, how he's going to baptize them, but there's someone coming later that's going to baptize them with fire. No, that doesn't mean that Jesus is a pyro and that he's just going to take a blowtorch and just like, you know, you're baptized. Um, he's talking about the Holy Spirit in fire and how we receive the Holy Spirit in our baptism. And so when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist and that was setting the example of how we receive the Holy Spirit. And so 
That's why we believe that there's one baptism for the remission of sins. We receive the Holy Spirit right then and there, and um, he continues to work in our lives lives every single day. Um, And so what I find interesting is after he's baptized, he immediately um, goes into the wilderness. And so after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so fasting, even in a... um, sense right now is like people sometimes fast so that they take away all of these things so they can fully rely on God. Um, I, I don't know how I would be fasting. I would be hangry. For me, that's just not something that I could do. But um, this example that Jesus sets is that he's at his weakest point. When I think that I am so hungry and I'm at, I am literally at my weakest point. So I can only imagine what 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and then all of a sudden um, Satan's like, yep, I'm going to start poking fun at you. And so what's interesting is if you read um, Matthew 4, which I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll read I'll read the first thing that that Satan tries to quote. So Satan knows scripture, but uses it out of context. So he's trying to get Jesus to trip up. And so, it is, you know, he the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, people do not live on bread alone, but on the word that comes from the mouth of God. And so there are two more times that Satan tries to quote scripture, test God. Um, and Jesus doesn't fall into that. And that is the perfect example of what it looks like to be tempted and to not fall into that temptation. And, um, for us as sinners, like it is super hard not to fall into the temptation of whatever that may be, whether it be, you know, gossip, gluttony, um, doubt, worry, uh, not trusting. Um, there's the list goes on of things that we can fall into. Um, when Satan puts that, that temptation in front of us that, you know, is God really big enough for all of our things? And, and that's where we have to stop for a second and go like, and remember that God is bigger than all things here, that he is taking care of us, that he is with us and he loves us. And so there's this weird um, back and forth, I feel like that goes in our mind of knowing that God is there, but having faith to trust in the promise that God is there is sometimes um, what's difficult um, for people. And so leading into that, um, is Jesus calls his first disciples. Um, the fact that he goes up to Peter and his brother, Andrew, and he says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people because they're fishermen. So he was using an analogy that they would understand. And at once they left their nets and followed him like that. That is faith right there. Um, that Jesus is who he was and that they could trust and, um, go out and be disciples. And that call is also for me and you. Um, no, Jesus isn't, um, coming to us in our boats as we're out on a lake saying, Hey, like, let's go fish for men. But in our everyday life, we're interacting with people, God's people, and we need to, um, be equipped within ourselves. And so that's why I do these little, you know, devotions is it's just to take a few moments for yourself um, to be in the word. And, and my hope is that you'll go home and read, you know, Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. And, you know, it takes not even five minutes, but to know that that the, that scripture is for me and you, that it's, it is a, 
able to understand and that there are people here that want you to understand so that you can be filled up. Because when we fill our cups up and we're filled by God and his love and the Holy Spirit, like then we can pour out and we can be disciples to people around us. We can um, share God's word and like what a beautiful gift that is that, that God entrusts that in us, in us sinners. He knows that we can do his work through him. And so, uh, yeah, let us pray. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for sending Jesus as the example of how to love and how to serve. God, I thank you for the baptism that I've received, and I pray for those that are listening that have been baptized in the faith, that they can come to you and know um, that there is repentance and that there is forgiveness. Um, God, I just pray for um, us as disciples here, especially in 2020, very politically driven society we live in right now. God, I just pray that we look to you first, that we look to see how you love first. Um, Fill us with your spirit so that we can talk to people gently and love them where they're at. In your name we pray. Amen.